What's up, Rock Bridge? My name's Sam. I'm the campus pastor at Rock Bridge Chatsworth. We're excited you're here today. And hey, we're one church in five locations with Dalton, Chatsworth, Ringo, Calhoun, and Hickson, Tennessee. We have people that are watching online and people that are listening by CD. Hey, we just want to welcome you and thank you for hanging out with us here at, here at Rock Bridge. And hey, last weekend, last weekend was Father's Day. And we had people celebrate baptism last weekend. As a matter of fact, we had 20 people celebrate baptism. Of those 20, nine children were baptized by their fathers on Father's Day. Hey, and we baptized three fathers. And up till this point, year to date, at Rock Bridge, we've seen 199 people take steps towards Jesus and following in baptism. That's a great place to clap right there. And see, we're giving God credit for that. Because here's the thing. Baptism is the next step in discipleship. Baptism is not salvation. Baptism is a public declaration that says, hey, I'm saying yes to Jesus. And we celebrate that. And if baptism is your next step, hey, we have baptism on July the 17th. July 17th, you can go to robberies.cc slash baptism and you can fill out that form and one of our campuses will be in touch with you because we want to walk with you as you take steps towards Jesus and believers' baptism. So, hey, songs of the summer. And we just sang one of those songs. It is well. It is well with my soul. And today we're going to kind of unpack that and we're going, to, we're going to talk about how songs impact us. Why we sing those songs. Who we sing those songs to. Why it's important to sing songs for us personally and to sing songs corporately as a church. And you see, one of the things about it is well, it is well with my soul, it's personal. Okay, it's personal to me. Now, this may sound kind of a little bit morbid, okay, but hang in here with me. So that got your attention. A lot of y'all looked up when I said morbid. <laughs> about 10 or 12 years ago, my wife and I had a conversation about my funeral. And I said, Kim, I would like for it as well to be sung at my funeral or at the gravesite. It doesn't matter. So we agreed with that. So, hey... For Christ followers, man, death is not something to fear. Hey, you can even, 
Hey, listen, you can even plan your own funeral. So take advantage of that while you're still alive. So this is a personal, personal song to me. And songs, in our songs, the songs that we sing, they're theologically correct. They line up with Scripture. They have feelings and they have emotion and there's hope in the songs that we sing. Our worship team and our lead team, man, we go through songs. And if it doesn't line up with Scripture, if it doesn't line up theologically, we just don't sing it. So we sing songs that line up with the Bible and line up with the Scripture. So it is well. It is well with my soul. Let's see what King David said about that. He said, wake up, my soul, wake up. Harp and lyre, I will wake up the dawn. You see, King David even knew and knew that songs and music woke up your soul and put you in the presence of God. David said, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. David also wrote this, bless the Lord, O my soul, and do not forget all his benefits. Repeat after me. Say soul. soul. So when you leave here, one of the goals tonight is when you leave here tonight, you'll know what's going on in your soul. And you'll ask that question, is it well with my soul? So we sing. We sing at Rock Bridge. We sing theology. We sing scripture. And we sing feelings. And there's hope that's connected with those. Where theology and scripture collide, true worship happens. When your soul connects with what you're singing, Man, it can take you to another place of worship and praise and joy towards your king, King Jesus. So let's define. Let's define what soul is. A systematic theologian named Wayne Gruden, he wrote this. He said, Scripture shows that the terms soul and spirit are frequently interchangeable and are in many cases synonymous or the same. Throughout Scripture, most of the time, soul and spirit are synonymous. So we're made up of two parts. We're made up of body. Body. You can see. A bunch of it. And soul and spirit. So we're made up of two parts. Obviously, you can see the body. The soul is that part that you cannot see, and it's synonymous with spirit. In John, the apostle, uh, John recorded this, that Jesus said, Jesus says, my soul is troubled. And the next chapter over, John wrote, he was troubled in his spirit. Soul and spirit, synonymous. Luke recorded one of Mary's praises, one of Mary's hymns that she sang to the Lord when she knew that she was carrying God's Son. And Mary said, my soul praises the greatness of the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. So you see, soul and spirit are synonymous, are the same in that context. So what else can we learn about soul? The soul is neither biological nor chemical. The soul is the part of who you are that lives 
forever. You know, this body that we're walking around in, it's not going to live forever. But your soul that's in you will live forever. The Apostle Paul wrote this. He says, in fact, we are confident that we would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So he knew that after the body dies, the soul goes to one of two places, to be with the Lord or separated from the Lord in a place that Jesus spoke about more than heaven, in a place called hell. So the soul is the deepest part of who we are. The soul is the part Christ followers. The, the soul is the part Christ follower in which the Holy Spirit lives. The Holy Spirit lives in you if you're a Christ follower. The Apostle Paul said this, don't you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? And true worship, true worship comes from the soul. So if you've ever been in a place where you may have said to yourself, man, that was good. God spoke to me in that. Man, that's true worship. And that came deep inside of you from your soul. You see, the soul is that place where we can, we have that joy that's indescribable. Also, the soul is that place is, is when we hurt. We have that hurt that's almost unbearable. So your soul, that's what Jesus redeemed and paid the ransom for, for your eternity, is your soul. And your soul is tied to worship. Jesus told the woman at the well, he said, the hour is coming, and now is here. When true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. So that's the place our soul goes to worship. Now, we're looking at it as well. It is well with my soul. So now let's just take a glimpse Let's just take a few moments to learn the history behind that song. To learn about the author of that song. You see, the author of that song, his name was Horatio Spafford. And Horatio Spafford was born in 1823 in New York. And he ended up living his life in Chicago. And he was a lawyer. Horatio Spafford was a businessman who accumulated a lot of wealth, a lot of real estate, and he had a wife. His wife's name was Anna, and they have five kids. And you see, in 1873, right at the height of Horatio's just success in the business world, his only son, his only son died of pneumonia. And in that same year, 1873, was the great Chicago fire. And he lost much of his wealth. And he lost much of his real estate and his property. 
So the same year he lost his son and almost totally lost his business. Sorry, that was 1871. Fast forward two years. 1873, God had continued to bless him. And he was able, God blessed him to the fact that he was able to acquire the same wealth and the same real estate that he had when he lost it in the fire. As a matter of fact, Horatio Spafford was a friend, was, an, was more than an acquaintance of the great evangelist D.L. Moody, who evangelized all over the United States. So in 1873, in November of 1873, Horatio Spafford, he planned a holiday for his family to go to England. And while he was in England, he was going to help, he was going to help Dwight D. Moody in his evangelistic crusades. So he planned to leave in November. So right before, right before they were to leave, he had an emergency in his business. So Horatio Spafford put his wife, Anna, and his four daughters on the boat, on a ship to head to England. And as they were four days into the journey, an iron Scottish ship collided with this boat that they were on. The ship that they were on, Anna and the four girls, the ship they were on sank in seven minutes. 200 people on that ship died. Of those 200 people that died, four of those people were his daughters. And Anna, his wife, was able to hang on to debris in the ocean. And she was rescued by a rowboat. And they were picked up later by a larger boat and actually landed in Wales. And she sent Horatio, her husband, back a telegram. And it said this, Saved alone, what shall I do? Well, as soon as he got the telegram, he made arrangements to go to his wife in Wales as soon as possible. So he left, and he was on his way to his wife. Four days into the journey, the captain of the ship that he was on called Horatio Spafford to his cabin. And he said, hey, we're going over the water right now where your four daughters perished. Fast forward. Many years later, Horatio and Anna had more children after the fact. And one of his daughters named Bertha, she wrote later, that it was while on that trip to be with his wife that he penned those words of it is well with my soul. So here's what I want us to look at. I want, to, I want us to look at the first verse that you just sang just a few minutes ago. We're going to look at that again. If you can throw that slide up on the screen. I want you to check this out. When peace, this guy is on a boat over the water where his children just perished. And he starts off with when peace. When peace like a river. No, not a raging river, but a really slow, comforting river. So put that picture in your mind. But this guy's writing these words after he lost four kids 
when peace like a river attendeth my way, when peace is with me, when peace is around me, when peace is on me, when peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrow like sea billows roll. I want you to get the picture. He's on a ship, and there's waves. There's sea billows that he's riding on this ship over and over and over. And he describes the sorrow and the pain that he's feeling for losing his four daughters when sorrows like sea billows roll. Whatever my lot, lot, lot is the destiny that God has for your life. Lot is the plan that God has for your life. Lot knows, this, is, this word simply means God knows what's going to happen to you before it's going to happen. And he allows some things to happen to you, and you just have to be okay with that. And Horatio Spafford knew that as he penned, penned these words. Whatever my lot, you, you is God Almighty, the only one that can bring the supernatural peace. Whatever my lot, you have taught me to say, it is well. It is well with my soul. It is well, it is well through the storms I am held. It is well. It is well with my soul. So in the middle of his anguish, in the middle of his loss, man, this guy found a place to worship. This guy found a place to sing. This guy found a place that he could experience joy even when sea billows roll. Whatever my lot you have taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Now I have a story. And the story I have is, uh, is similar in the fact that, that uh, I know kind of what pain feels like, okay? I don't think I can tell this story. I think I need to read my story. And I'm going to read you a journal entry that, that I wrote in, in November 12th. 2017. You see, this journal entry uh, came after I had been in the hospital. This journal entry came after I'd had, uh, between mid-August and mid-September, I had four different surgeries uh, on my knee. I had a staph infection that just would not go away, so they had to take my uh, prosthetic knee replacement out and replace it with something else called a spacer. So this staph infection attacked my body just like that. So I'm going to read my story. November 12, 2017. Wow. It's been two months since I journaled. I'm sorry, Jesus. A lot has happened in two months. Holy Spirit, please lead me to write my thoughts on living, dying, fighting to live, and healing. Dying is part of living. That's the question all people must ask 
how will I die? This is a personal question for me. A couple of months ago, I embraced death. I welcomed death. The words came out of my mouth. I want to die. In my mind, the pain I was experiencing was out of control, and death would be a relief of that pain. I would raise my hands to my king, and I would welcome death. Death is often uncomfortable to discuss and talk about. And I tried to protect my family from my innermost thoughts of death. The key word there is tried. In my most painful moments, in my transparency in my heart, it came out of my mouth to my family. I want to die. In, the most, in one of the most physically painful times, I begged God to call my name. I begged God for me to die. In the next breath, I talked to the Holy Spirit and said, if you don't call my name, I'll fight to live. And I shared this with my family. About one week later, in a surgery recovery room in Emory Hospital, my friend, my friend Pain, came on with a vengeance. You see, I have to call Pain my friend. Because pain's really not my enemy. It's just something that I have to live with. So my friend, pain, came on with a vengeance. Once again, I was begging my God for death. I was welcoming death. I wanted to die with everything in me. Then my wife came into the recovery room, Kim, and she reminded me of my talk with the Holy Spirit. If you don't call my name, I'll fight to live. I can't explain what happened in those next few moments or those next few days. I can't explain what happened except for peace. At that moment, in the days that followed, I experienced peace. Now, my friend Payne was still there, and he was still there with a vengeance, but the peace of God was comforting in the middle of the pain. And in the middle of that, I learned some truths. And I learned some truths about living, about dying, and fighting to live. And I want to share those truths with you tonight. There's a time for death. We, we see in Solomon wrote in Ecclesiastes, there's a time for birth, and there's a time to die. God has those times appointed. Life is a gift. Since life is a gift, we know that God is love, and he's given us life out of his love. So life is a gift. Death. Death is a gift. Death is a gift. We see this in John chapter 3. It says this, that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. So just as life is a gift, death is a gift. That may be hard for you to grab, okay? But for a Christ follower, death is not defeat. Death is a gift from our holy God. A death of our physical body is a gift from our holy God. 
Because we'll spend eternity somewhere. Everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Number four, living is for Christ. Paul wrote this, live your life in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. So living is for Christ. For a Christ follower, man, the reason why you're still breathing and working and ministering is because your life is for Christ. So not only did I learn there was a time for death and life is a gift and death is a gift and living is for Christ. But sometimes, sometimes you got to fight. Sometimes you have to fight to live. Sometimes you have to have a conversation and you have to initiate that conversation with a holy God. You have to fight to live. The Apostle Paul wrote this, for me, living is Christ. Dying is gain. Dying is not the enemy. Dying is not defeat. The Apostle Paul was in the same place that I was in. I don't count myself with the Apostle Paul, but listen. I was satisfied with death because that was gain in Christ. So it is well. It is well with my soul. So is it? Ask that question to yourself. Is it well with my soul? For me, living is Christ and dying is gain. Even in the middle of indescribable sorrow, like Horatio Spafford had, in the middle of unbearable pain, we can say, for me, living is Christ and dying is gain. It is well. It is well with my soul. So now we're going to fast forward. We're going to fast forward to 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 1. You can open up your Bibles and you can turn your apps on. So we're in 1 Peter chapter 1 and we're going to read some passages. And through those passages, we're going to parallel or line them up with some of the verses that you all just sang just a few minutes ago. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ because, he, because of His great mercy. You see that great mercy? Here's what mercy is. God pardons us. He, give, he pardons Christ's followers because His Son, Christ Jesus, took our place on the cross. Because of his great mercy, he has given us a new birth. And you know how a new birth looks like? When every time you see somebody get baptized, it's a symbol, it's a sign. They're dying to themselves in the water, and they're being raised up to a new life. They're being raised up to a new birth because he has given us a great mercy. He has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead and into an inheritance that is imperishable undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you. That's a place where you can worship. That's a place where you can praise. Paul writes this in Colossians 2.14. He says, he erased the certificate of debt. The certificate of debt is this. We had a sin debt we could not pay. And Christ Jesus paid that debt for us on the cross. 
because of its obligation, because of its, its is a certificate of death, sin, because of its obligation that was against us and opposed us and has taken it, has taken it, our sin, away and nailed it to the cross. It is well with my soul because Jesus died for my sin. I am forgiven. Jesus died for my sin. I am forgiven. Check this out. The second verse. My sin. Oh, the bliss. This term bliss means joy, happiness. My sin. Oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but in whole. Your sin is not partly forgiven. If you're a Christ follower, your sin is forgiven wholly. My sin, oh, the bliss of the glorious thought, my sin, not in part, but in whole, is nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Oh, my soul. It is well with my soul because Jesus died for my sin, and I am forgiven. Verse 5 of 1 Peter. You are being guarded by God's power. Check this out. God's power. As a Christ follower, man, that's a place where we can rest. You're being guarded by the creator of the universe. You're being guarded by God's power through faith. For salvation is ready to be revealed in the last time. Do this for me. Take a deep breath. All right, exhale. The last time. You see, with that breath you just took, you're a whole lot closer to the last time Jesus is returning. With that breath you, that breath you just took, you're a lot closer to your death that last time. If necessary, you suffer grief in various trials and the, and the sorrow like sea billows roll. That the proven character of your faith is more valuable than gold, which through perishable is refined by fire, may result in praise. You know what the result in praise is? Man, you sing. You worship. Down in your soul, you find that place where you can worship. And this is what Peter is telling us. May result in praise, the glory and honor and revelation of Christ. It is well with my soul. Because God is in me and with me during sorrow and during pain. It is well with my soul. Because God is with me during sorrow and and pain. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, you have taught me to say, it is well. It is well with my soul. It is well with my soul because God is with me during sorrow and pain. In verse 8 of 1 Peter. Though you have not seen him. 
you love him. See, for a Christ follower, that's what faith is. You love Jesus, even though you haven't seen him. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though not seeing him now, you believe in him. You believe in him. You know, many people say, hey, I believe in Jesus. Well, listen, that's, you might say that, all right? Believing is putting all you are. Believing is putting all you are in his hands. I can sit here all day and I say, hey, I believe that's a sturdy stool and I believe it'll hold me up. All right? But for me to put my belief into action, I have to set myself on this stool. And I have to not only believe, but trust and faith and put everything I am in Jesus, that he's going to hold me up, that he is going to take care of me. Though we have not seen him, we love him. Though we, though we have not seen him now, you believe in him, and you rejoice with inexpressible, glorious joy. You know what that means? You sing. You sing. You worship. You praise. Say sing. One, two, three. Some of y'all are all in. Some of you are not. One, two, three. Man, you sing with inexpressible joy that can only come from the deepest place in you. Your soul. Your soul. Because you are receiving a goal of your faith. Your salvation of your soul. It is well with my soul because I am prepared to see Jesus at his return. Or at my death. Did you catch that? It is well with my soul because I am prepared to see Jesus at his return. Or my death. And Lord, haste the day when my faith shall be sight. Haste means quickly. The apostle John wrote this. Even so, Lord, come quickly. And Spafford wrote this. And Lord, haste the day when my faith shall be sight. When my faith shall be sight is when I look at King Jesus. Either when he returns or when the last breath that I breathe on earth is the first breath that I breathe in heaven. And Lord, haste the day when my faith shall be sight. The clouds be rolled back like a scroll. The trump shall resound. And the Lord shall descend. Even so, it is well with my soul. So here's the question. For those of you who are taking notes, there's a blank there. The question is, is it well with my soul? And whether you're taking notes now or not, I'm just going to ask you in the name of Jesus to write something in that blank. Is it well with my soul? There's one or two answers. There's no gray area here. It's either yes or it's no. It's either yes or it's no. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that as folks are responding to this question, is it well with my soul? Father, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ. 
that you'll just reveal them, yourself to them in a supernatural way and they'll be honest with themselves and honest with you. And see deep inside and ask that question. Is it well with my soul? But not just ask that question, but answer that question with a yes or no. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So here's what's going to happen. Our band's going to come up right now, and they're going to get ready to, to lead us in a song you sang a few minutes ago, It Is Well With My Soul. And we've unpacked that. And you know the history behind that song. And you know, and you've seen in Scripture how that song is theologically correct. And you've been challenged, you've been asked to ask that question. Is it well with my soul? And we're going to ask another group of people. We're going to ask, we're going to ask elders, and we're going to ask prayer team folks, and we're going to ask staff to come down front. Right now, you guys come down front. We're going to ask them to come down front and stand down here to pray for people. And if you want prayer, we want you to walk directly to these elders, directly to these uh, prayer team members, and I want you just to say, hey, it's not well with my soul. I need prayer. So here's the answer. Here's the question. Is it well with my soul? If you said no, it's not well with my soul, here's what I'd like for you to do. I want you to worship. I want you to worship in just a few minutes when I say amen. I want you to worship by walking directly to one of these people down front and say, hey, it's not well with my soul. I'll need prayer. If it's not well with your soul and you can't walk down front to one of these people, I want you to take your next step card out. And I want you to simply write, it's not well with my soul. And put your name and your contact information on there. Because we want to call you. We want to meet with you. We want to walk with you. So your soul can be healed. And if it's not well with your soul and you can't walk down front, and you're going to refuse to fill out that next step card, here's what I ask you to do. I want to ask you to stand in just a few seconds and worship. Sing every word to this song. Reflecting on your sorrow, reflecting on your pain, reflecting on your sin, reflecting on what's going to happen to you when you pass from this life to the next. And after you sing every word of that song, I want you to ask yourself, is it well with my soul? And if the answer is no, man, give your life to Jesus. And then tell somebody. But if the answer is yes, if you can answer yes, it's well with my soul. I want you to stand and worship in a place you've never worshipped before. If the answer is yes, I want you to worship Jesus because he nailed your sins to the cross in full. If the answer is yes, I want you to sing like you've never seen before because you're prepared to see Jesus in the sky. Or you're prepared to see Jesus when you die. So the invitation and the response is this. Man, you worship. Ma'am, you worship in that place in your soul. But if the answer is no, come directly to one of these persons. If the answer is no, fill out the next step card. If the answer is no, you sing like you've never sung before. And then find a place where you can give your heart to Jesus and he can heal your soul. And then tell somebody. Let's stand. Father, we thank you for your son, Christ Jesus. We thank you, Lord, that he died for us and gave himself for us in whole. 
We thank you that we can look forward for Christ's followers to see you. Father, right now, I want to pray in the name of Jesus for those folks who answered that question. No. Is it well with my soul? Father, I pray in the name of Jesus you'll give them faith to take steps towards you. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Amen.